0: Jesus Christ, to a greater or lesser degree, has been through a trial, has been through a difficulty, a storm. And what I pray they saw, and I pray that we see as New Testament believers, that Jesus sends storms, we're going to talk about that here in a moment, to test his disciples in order to do two things. Number one, to mature them, to grow them up, toughen them up, to prepare them for the journey that he has for them, and then secondly, to learn to trust him more. Now, brothers and sisters, this might be the time if we were to bow our heads and every head bowed, every eye closed, that if, if you don't like true theology on what the Christian life is really like, you might want to duck out now. Christian life's filled with storms, brothers and sisters. The Storms come from Jesus, brothers and sisters. See, we, like to, we, 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 we don't mind the first part because we know that happens. We may not agree theologically with the second part, but I'm going to show you from Scripture Jesus Sends storms, and we can take note in this passage as well as others. So point number one, the disciples were sent to the storm. The disciples were sent to the storm. If we look at the parallel passages, here's what Jesus does. He says, I'm going up on the mountain. You go get on the boat. I will be with you later. Now, this is something that we must remind ourselves of in the providence of God that the Lord is either in control of everything or he is not Lord of all. It's either Lord of all or not Lord at all, some would say. couple passages that support this idea. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. Psalm 47, verse 2, for the Lord Most High is to be, be feared a great king over all the earth. Matthew chapter 6, why don't the birds have to worry? Because God provides for them. Conversely, why don't we worry? Because God is taking care of all things. I love this prophetic word that Daniel gives to Nebuchadnezzar. In order that the living may know the most highest ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. Daniel is proclaiming to Nebuchadnezzar, you're not in control. Yes, you rule on this earthly plane. But there is one who rules over you. And by the way, in the context of this verse, Daniel is calling Nebuchadnezzar to repent. Don't become so prideful. Daniel will go on to say these words. He says all these prophecies are going to happen to you if you don't repent, Nebuchadnezzar. But he says this in closing. Until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. He rules everything. He reigns over everything. He brings rain. He brings sun for his own good pleasure. He controls the elements. Psalm 77, 16 through 20. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea, and your paths in the mighty waters, and your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What's this saying? That God is completely in control of everything. And in this context, Jesus sends his disciples to the storm. We'd like to think that, well, why why, why would he do this? We'd like to think that Christ would never, ever do this in the life of a believer. He will. I have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders of the deep. He spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. You ever wonder where a storm comes from? Wonder where these hurricanes and tropical storms come from? Oh, it's, it's, it's global warming. Stop driving cars and eating cows and we hear all these stories. Global warming's raising up. It's the power of God, brothers and sisters. Uh, scientists can figure out, get their calculations, they can do all that and yeah, cool. It's God. He is in control of it all. He brings storms. He takes away storms. It is, it is up to him. He controls it all. Uh, we're going to sing here at the end of the service, this, this part of a verse. When through deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with thee. I troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When I call you to go through the storms of life, which he may, which isn't easy. It's not hard. I mean, it's not, it's not light thing. It's a very, very hard thing. He calls storms to come. Well, how do we know that? Look back at the verse. When they first got into the water, there's no, there's no real issues. The sea began, verse 18, to be stirred. Uh, I, I don't know much about boats. Y'all know my affinity for water. But I know if there's a storm already happening on the water, just saying, you probably don't get in it. They start out in a smooth way, and we'll see what's going to happen. Four things I want to note about these guys. Number one, they were in darkness. It's thought that when they leave, it's between 6 and 9 p.m. So it's starting to get dark or it's very dark as they get on this boat. And we've seen this darkness motif really throughout John's gospel. It can stand for evil. Remember, people love darkness rather than, than light. Uh, it's, it's, it has this ominous turn when we see darkness in John's gospel. Uh, it experiences oftentimes when we think about our life as Christians, don't we find ourselves uh, surrounded by darkness? Uh, don't we find ourselves in the darkness of the night? John six seventeen says it was, it was now dark. And I don't know about you, um, darkness, I, I'd love to think, you know, it's not just for little six-year-old kids running around who are afraid of the dark. I don't like dark either. Um, our little neck of the woods in Emmaus, uh, we've learned through our neighbors, like 20 houses that everybody else can be on and we will be off. Liz Yulanko is like right across the street from me, and we've had the lights go out a few times. And I can look at Liz dancing in the light, and we're we're in the dark with candles. I don't like being in the dark. I discovered how much I scramble and I really don't know my house as well as I thought. I need a candle to get through. I don't like being in the dark. Darkness increases our terror. It makes us afraid. It makes us anxious. Why? You can't see what lies before you. You can't navigate your way through the dark. love how one commentator says, he says, sometimes Christ withholds the light of his countenance even from his own. Sometimes God Oftentimes, God will withdraw his light and leave us in the dark. He will place us in the dark for his own good pleasure. Job says these words, I waited for light, but there came darkness, Job 30, 26. Can I remind you of something, brothers and sisters, that darkness was not created by Satan. It's created and controlled by God. If you got your Bibles, go with me quickly to Isaiah. We're going to do a little Bible Getting through the scriptures a little bit today. So if you have an electronic device, you're an advantage. Isaiah 45, verse 5. Isaiah 45, verse 5. I want to read all this. I just love Isaiah, especially this chapter of Isaiah. If you've ever wondered who Yahweh thinks he is, read Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, verse 5. Let's look at what he says. I am the Lord and there is no other. I almost, you know, that's like a mic drop time. That's just like put it there's no other God besides me. There is no other God. I will gird you though you have not known me. The men may uh, that men may know from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun to the rising and setting of the sun that there is no one beside me. I am the Lord. There is no other. Listen to this in verse seven. The one forming light and creating darkness. Now, let's what it goes on to say, causing well being and creating calamity in the life of the believer and those who are not believers. He does both. He gives peace, but he also gives pain. We have to go back to five and seven when you start to doubt it. I don't like this. I am the Lord. There is no other. In other words, I think God would step out of glory and say, you're not God. You don't know what's best. Parents, can you identify that when your kids start to buck against your, "Uh, mom and dad, I think we should do it this way. Uh Excuse me. I'm daddy here. I'm mom here. I understand where I'm going. Verse concludes with, I am the Lord who does all these. God brings darkness in our lives. God brought darkness in the life of these disciples. Not only are they in darkness, they're alone. As I've stated, and as they state, Jesus had not yet come with them at the end of verse 17. Jesus sends them off into the storm. He sends them off into the darkness by themselves they're alone but are we alone brothers and sisters i would suggest to you that we're never alone although we may feel alone now i want you to think about calm C. yes we're in darkness calm C. yes jesus isn't with us man we're marveling, reflecting upon all these baskets of food we have surrounding us. Man, did you see how he did that? Now our hearts are still not believing. But man, there are probably some celebratory tone, tone that they have. Man, Jesus is just, man, that dude is, he's awful. Awesome. You see what he did, man, them, them two fish and that and barley bread. That's the best barley bread I've ever had in my life. They're in darkness. They're alone. Then this third piece comes up. Then the storm comes. Scripture describes this storm coming out of really nowhere. The sea became rough. Small boat in rough seas is tossed about. They're in distress. Their lives are being threatened. Their circumstances, which was once good, now has become to this. We're in dire straits here. Our health, our livelihoods are in question. Brothers and sisters, if you live the Christian life... You're going to have difficult times. You're going to have literal storms. Acts 14.22 says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's difficult. The storm is real. Sea of Galilee lies 700 feet below sea level. And what we believe happens is the, the mountains that surround it have this cool air that meets warm air on any given time and any given place on this sea and when it rushes down and it strikes the surface of the lake, one commentator says it churns the water into white caps and creates dangerous conditions, especially for small boats. Now, just me sitting back studying this week, but well, I was having palpitations. I'm like, Lord, please don't ever have me go nowhere on a boat. Lord, please. Lord, I'll go anywhere, but Lord, not on a boat. Train, Lord. Carry your Mount up on a carrier pigeons. I'll get on a horse, Lord. But Lord, not a boat. (laughs) You nautical guys, man, bless you. They're in a storm. They're caught in this squall that the other gospels, Matthew says that they are long distance from land. Mark 6, 47 says they're in the middle of the sea, battered by waves. They're in a storm. They're They're in the thick of it, brothers and sisters. Anybody identify that with this morning? Storm of your life, you're in the thick of it right now. Some family issue, some spiritual issue, some physical issue that you're you're feeling like you're in the storm right now. What do you do? Where do Where do you go? You're alone. You feel alone. You feel in distress. You feel like there's darkness that surrounds you. We're not done yet. They were afraid. They're not only afraid of the storm. Who else are they afraid of? As they perceive Jesus walking, they're afraid. They're completely, completely lost. They're afraid. Remind you, they left around 6 to 9 p.m. This rowing is happening in the, in the middle of the night between three and 6 a.m. Uh, Matthew tells us that they're rowing against the storm. And they have been doing so for maybe six hours, rowing against this storm, not going anywhere. They're afraid. There is no one they can hold on to. There is nothing they can grab hold of. They're terribly afraid. We flew to San Antonio a few weeks ago, and there was a little turbulence, and Karen grabbed my hand. I was like, uh, who's going to grab mine? I got a guy next to me probably wouldn't have appreciated that. I couldn't do anything for her. She's afraid. I'm acting like I'm not afraid. I am. Terribly afraid. They're afraid we're going to die. This is it. Darkness. Alone. Storm. Fear. Why? Because we don't know the outcome of our situation, do we, brothers and sisters? We don't know what the situation, the storm that we're in. We don't know the outcome. We don't know if the doctor's diagnosis is going to bring us death. We don't know if the situation in our lives will ever be reconciled. And it causes us great fear. What's rather strange in the story is why would they be afraid of Jesus? Now, if we've commented before, in these first centuries, and really as you look at any of the New Testament narratives, these people were not atheistic. They believed in the metaphysical. They believed in the supernatural. One didn't have to convince a person of these years that there were out, forces outside of the physical side. So some would think, Bruce mallonen writes this in his work, they believed stars were living beings, they were intelligent, they were powerful, and they exercised great impact on lands and even in the sea in which they moved. So they thought in the darkness of the sea, That there was great spiritual forces at work. So when they see Jesus, they think he's a ghost. They're frightened on the sea. That's what the other Matthew and Mark say. They think he's a ghost. By the way, this is the only time they think Jesus is a ghost, right? The resurrection, they're going to think Jesus is a ghost. They don't think he's real. They don't know why he's coming. They don't know why he's approaching. He's coming in the middle of the night. Uh, One of the opportunities I've had to look out on the sea, I'm amazed at how far you can see out. I want you to picture in that storm that you see this glimpse, this glimmer of light coming. You're already afraid. What force is coming against us? What force is this? What is going on here? Well, the story's not done. Disciples were sent into the storm. Secondly, the disciples were secure in the storm. What we notice about Jesus in the storm is rather amazing. He shines in the darkness. He shines in the midst of the storm. He shines in the midst of, the he shi- the midst of fear. He, he is shining. But what's amazing, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you caught this. I pray that you did. Remember I say from 6 to 9, they left. Jesus doesn't show up until 3 to maybe 6 a.m. Jesus made them wait. Why? Why does Jesus let them suffer in the dark, in the storm? Why, why didn't Jesus, he's so gracious, isn't that what you Christians proclaim about your faith, that your God is, is loving, that Jesus is kind, he's a friend to sinners, he draws near to those who draw near to him? Why doesn't Jesus show up? Why, why doesn't Jesus come, why, why does he send the storm first, but why doesn't he come very soon, very early into the storm? Why doesn't he bring us out? Why does he delay? Why is his hand, is his hand shortened? Can he not do it? Why doesn't he intervene? What does that lead to us to feel? How, does we, how do we walk through that? You give up hope during those times? Jesus, you're not coming when I think you should come. Jesus, you're not delivering when I think you should deliver. This unexpected thing has come into my life. I believe you're sovereign, you're providential in all matters, but you brought it in my life and you're nowhere near. I'm alone. How can I say that I'm secure? I know you shine. I know that you're the Lord. I know that men did not comprehend your light, but I have. I've repented. I've received the forgiveness of sins. I have walked with you many years now. Why are you delaying Christ? Why do you leave me alone? For his own good pleasure. For his glory and honor. And brothers and sisters, if I can add a, tighten the screw just a tad bit more. Even for your good. We can quote Romans 8.28, but do we believe it? For I know that all storms work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I know that all storms work together for good. Psalmist says these words: Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts Himself to show you mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for Him. Whoo! It's hard, ain't it, brothers and sisters? Job says, I'm going to wait on him until my change comes. I'm going to stay in this situation and wait on him. I'm going to hold on. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. Sometimes I'm holding on. I ain't holding on. He's holding me. I I might want to let go. He holds me. Jesus shines in light, but he doesn't come right away. He's not going to come right away, brothers and sisters, in your life. But he will come. Well, there's a lot of explanations. Time does not allow me to keep going too much. Jesus is walking on water here. This is the fifth miracle that John tells us about. We'll see two more. Right? Uh, The man born blind is going to be healed and Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead. Jesus walks on water. Well, liberal scholarship says there's some explanations for this. So I just want to give you some little tidbits. Doran Knopf of Florida State University, he's an oceanographer. He says that sometimes those cool winds uh, overtake the warm winds, and the lake actually begins to freeze. And because because it freezes, Jesus is simply just walking on a frozen lake. Others say, you know, it's low tide and there's just rocks. Jesus is just skipping through on the rocks as he goes to the boat. There's a plausible, very, very plausible explanation for this quote-unquote, miracle. That's not how the disciples understood it. That's not how those, that crowd that understands Jesus didn't get into the boat, that's not how they understood it. And brothers and sisters, I pray that that's not how you understand it. This is a miracle. Can I remind you of what Jesus has already done with water? Remember his first miracle in Canaan of Galilee? What does he do? He turns the water to... And I reminded you then that the elements look to Jesus and say, Master... The sea sees Jesus coming and says, Master, the creator and sustainer of all, I bid you, what would you want me to do for you, Master? I bow before you. I'm simply going to walk on you, he says to the water, because he's God and he's sovereign and he's ruler over all. And he is shining in darkness. Secondly, Jesus watches over disciples. I told you, uh, when Jesus sends them away, what was he doing? Praying to his father on the mountain. Some suggest, we don't know this for sure, the text doesn't tell us, that Jesus may have been watching this whole scene unfold. He may have been watching this scene unfold, but he is definitely watching your scene unfold. He is keenly aware of all the issues, all the issues of your storm. And he's watching. He knows. He's aware. He shines in darkness. He watches over the storm he's sovereign he's omnipotent jesus comes in the storm take some time but he comes into the storm 3 a.m to 6 a.m they had been rowing but jesus shows up old saying in the churches i came come from he may not come when you want him but he's always right on time some of you can testify to that right that last minute, where you didn't know how it was going to happen, how, I, I don't, I, and you throw your—I I think oftentimes that's what the Lord waits for us to do. I have no other recourse. I've called everybody I can call. I've exhausted all my finances. I, I can't do nothing else. Lord, I'm just leaving it in your hands, and I feel like He's saying, "That's what I've been waiting on the whole time." Now I'm going to show up. He comes at the right time. Now, here's here's what's hard for me. What if I was preaching this message in Haiti? You've heard, I assume, of the events that have happened in Haiti, the earthquake and the death. Uh, what was it, 10 years ago? They just had that major earthquake then. What if I was preaching this in Afghanistan to a refugee camp or to a group of huddled Christians hiding from the Taliban? Hey, you're going through a storm, and I outlined it just like I'm doing to you guys, because He's Lord of the storm. He's brought this in your life. And I said, You know, Jesus comes in the storm. have you not seen their christians dying they would say to me i believe do you you not see that the death and mayhem that the taliban has brought upon god's people uh, not just here but how boko haram in nigeria and uh, and others in china have you not seen that christians are dying and you're going to tell me jesus is going to come in the midst of a storm can i share with you brothers and sisters just because you died doesn't mean he didn't come he showed up in a way you didn't expect He showed up and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You're coming with me. Enter into my rest right now. Jesus shows up sometimes and takes your life. I'd love to tell you that every situation that we're in is going to result in Jesus delivering you physically. That would simply be a lie. Jesus will deliver you spiritually for eternity. It's hard to take passages like this and just say, well, he's going to always come in the midst of a storm and he's going to deliver me. There are many Christians in this room that would beg to differ who've lost loved ones, believing loved ones. Believers all around the world who are dying for their faith today, Jesus is showing up in a different way. Jesus comes in the midst of this storm. By the way, how can we trust Jesus? How can we trust that he's really going to do these things? Can I tell you that Jesus has already delivered us from a storm? The greatest storm that exists that every person on this planet is struggling with. Only some of us have been rescued from it. That storm is sin. If Jesus has the ability and power to receive your sin debt on himself in the cross and satisfy the righteous wrath of the Father, you're going to tell me he can't handle a storm? He took care of the greatest storm, the greatest issue of mankind. Greatest issue that you and I faced, our sin debt before a holy God, he paid it. We can trust him. He can deliver you in the storm, but he also may deliver you from the storm by taking your life. That's his business. It's not easy. But he does what he does. Oh, my goodness. Jesus shines, watches, comes in the storm. Lastly. Jesus provides comfort in the storm. What does he say to them? I love these words. It is I. They see him. They're frightened. Verse 20. It is I. Do not be afraid. And the parallel counts. What does he say? Take courage. Take courage. It's going to be okay. I'm with you. I can't think of more comforting words than to say, I'm with you. I'm near you. It's me. It's me. The terror is gone because he is now speaking to them. Take courage. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Brothers and sisters, that's not the only way he comforts believers. Psalm 107, 28 through 30 says, They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. His words give hope. His life has given us us hope. Comforts us in the midst of the storm. He comes to be near them. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. There are four miracles in this story. Now you've got to look at the other accounts to get all four of them. What's the first miracle? Jesus walking on water. What's the second miracle in Matthew and Mark? Peter. Lord bid me, KJV, bid me come. Peter walks on water. Third miracle, what happens when Jesus gets in the boat? Storm stops immediately. Fourth miracle we just read about, which is what? The boat that was in the middle of the sea is immediately at land. Now, I I told you guys before, when I get to the DVD room of heaven, And we get to replay, however, we get to look back on these. That's going to be one of those sights we want to see. How did he do this? He sustains them in an amazing way, he encourages them, he comforts them in an amazing way. Do not be afraid. Can I encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters? Jesus is here. Don't be afraid. You only should be afraid if you haven't received him unto yourself. If you've trusted in him, do not be afraid. Last piece of this. The disciples were saved from the storm. As we just read, they were willing to receive them into a boat, and immediately he was to land to where they were going. Well, what else does Jesus do for them and us this morning as he says, take can I remind you of 1 Peter 2? Just listen to these words. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellency of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Ephesians 5.8, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus has not only been the light, he has given us light. If you got your Bibles, quickly, go with me, please. To 2 Corinthians 4. We'll close out here. 2 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. Listen to the word of the Lord. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who was shown in our hearts to do what? Give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's you and I, brothers and sisters, the light that these men were looking to. We have experienced as New Testament believers via the Holy Spirit. We are secured. We have been rescued because of what Christ has done. And we have been given light. We have been given knowledge, the glory of God in the face of Christ. We've been rescued. We've been delivered because of what Jesus has done. While you're in that section, I want to speak real quickly in closing to the person who's in the storm right now and you're struggling. I'm amazed after first service. Um, I'm just thankful thankful for brothers who share their hearts brother came up to me and just said man you have no idea you have no idea the storm I'm going through and he just shared and like man you don't know how the word of the Lord spoke to me this morning I didn't give him this verse I wish I would have but I want to give it to you if you're in that storm today look down in that same chapter at verse 16 I want to read it all and go through it but that'd be another sermon (laughs) Therefore, we do not lose heart. Listen to their testimony, Paul's testimony, the apostles' testimony. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you this as you face your storm? For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look at the things, not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen eternal. He's saying, look beyond the temporal, look beyond the things that aren't eternal and look to the eternal. Not only does he say that the affliction is momentary, he says that it's light. Not only does he say it's momentary in it's light, he says the storm is producing in you an eternal weight of glory. Now, brothers and sisters, should we pray for the storm? So we pray for the Lord. Lord, put me in a storm that I might grow. Little secret, you ain't got to pray it. <laughs> He's not asking for your permission. Do you grow more in the dark night of the soul, the darkness, or in the light? Have you, if you look back at your spiritual walk with the Lord, have you made more spiritual Mature strides in darkness and difficulty are in light and goodness. So, why do we run away from the darkness? We run away from the trial, don't we? Going gets tough. Tough, get going. That's not a Christian mantra. We want to run away from the trial. I see people, man, they have any difficulties in relationships. Well, they do. I'm out of here. What does the world do when they face storms? Pop the bottle. Smoke the weed, relationships, sex, you name it, shop, whatever. I can't deal with the storm, so I've got to some, find some way to anesthetize the storm. I can't deal with I've got to pacify myself through the storm. Christians aren't very much different. I don't want that storm in my life, so guess what I'm doing? I'm going to run away from the storm, Antonio. This situation is too hot for me. We do it as churches. I don't like the situation in church. I'm not dealing with it. I'm out of here. Families don't like this situation. I'm out of here. I'm not going to learn from the storm. I'm not going to mature in the storm. I'm not going to trust God in the storm. I'm going to run away from the storm because I don't want to deal with the storm. But didn't you say God was sovereign in all matters? Yeah, but not over this storm. Okay. And brothers and sisters, man, if I, you guys allow me to be, man, you, you, do you think pastors are immune from storms? Dana, you've been immune from storms in your life, brother? Sloan. hasn't been skittles and rainbows for us because we're pastors Uh, son you ever thought about just running away from the storm i'm out of here done dana i don't want this storm in my life i don't want to i don't want this lord we're not immune from it brothers and sisters same thing i'm preaching to you i'm preaching to me god what are you teaching me in the storm god am i trusting you more through the storm Lord, I'm not going to pray for the storm, but Lord, as the storm comes in my life, let me remember three things as we close out. This will be the final thing. Jesus has a plan for the storm in your life. I can't imagine those who have no faith in any level of any kind of deity or don't believe in the sovereignty of God and just simply say, well, the devil's bringing the storm, or it's just, just the way it is. It's just sheer dumb fate. It's just happening. There's no reason for it. It's just happening. It's, it's karma. Uh, That is such a weak, weak, weak understanding. As opposed to God has a plan for the storm in my life. Secondly, God is present in the storms of your life. As I stated earlier, we have something these disciples don't get until later. What do the disciples get later in Acts chapter 1? They get the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. He is with us. Uh, John 14, what does he say of the Spirit? The... Comforter. He actually says another comforter. Jesus is the comforter. He says, I'm giving you another comforter. Some translations say a helper to help you get through. He's with us all the time. The Spirit's with us. Lastly, Jesus has power over the storms. Jesus can choose to end the storms anytime he wants. That's his business. Would we be content with just the first two if he's not removing it as fast as we want? God, you got a plan for this, and you're with me. God, I want to trust your plan, and I want to experience your presence. I want to know that you're with me. This book tells us that. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek his face. James 1 tells us when you need wisdom for a trial, he'll give it to you liberally. It's not going to hold back wisdom to help you get through the trial, to endure the trial. It's all found here, brothers and sisters. You're not alone. All my storm goers, I'm praying for you. You're going through it now, I'm praying for you. Pray for me. Storm's not fun, but it's producing something. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the storm. Jesus,